Hello and welcome to the 4 Comic Junkies Podcast, when the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges. This podcast is a proud member of the Batman uh, Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. And as always, you can find me, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 4 Comic Junkies, email 4 Junkies at gmail.com, yada, yada, yada. We're getting right into it today, folks. Uh, with me is returning guest, Corey. Thank you so much for coming back. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Sorry it's been so long since I've been here. Yeah, really. I'm uh, excited to uh, to be doing this again. Yeah, you know, um, I I was upset that you weren't here for a while. Well, you know, they, they don't let you really leave when you're in jail. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's true. That's true. I'm yeah. just kidding. I wasn't in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of jail. Hey, good segue. Segue. Um, we are talking The Suicide Squad, just released by Warner Brothers and James Gunn and DC... And, um, I don't know, the movie people. Yeah, they did release it. They did. Mm -hmm. They did. They put it right out there. Yep. Um, Yeah, so anyway, um, we are going to be talking spoiler-heavy Suicide Squad stuff. We're going to talk everyone who dies, everyone who lives, (laughs) everyone who gets uh, shot in the face with a gun. That happened a few times. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, and there's a post-credit scene, so stick around for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So... We're going to get right into it. You have been warned. There are spoilers. And if you complain that we spoiled it, you're fucking stupid, man. <laughs> you got to listen better. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's start with uh, overall thoughts, Corey. Uh, well, it's it's kind of funny. I, um, I went and saw it with you Thursday night in the theater. Yep. And I was actually supposed to go on a date with my wife Friday night. We were going to go see Old because I like M. Night Shyamalan films. Oh, yeah. But things kind of fell through. And I own HBO Max. I, like many, purchased it, uh, purchased a subscription to it back when Wonder Woman 84 came out. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. This is on This is on HBO Max. So I actually watched it last night, too. So okay. I've watched it two times in two days. And I got to say that I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, I had mentioned, I had posted this on my Facebook page so some of my friends could see it. The first time I saw it, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Mm -hmm. And then the second time I saw it, I got past the things that were keeping me from liking it. Okay. And I moved into the love it. And the big thing, and we've discussed this a little bit, the big thing that held me back from liking it as much as I wanted to the first time around was Bloodsport. Yep. Because, again, spoiler alert, Bloodsport is basically Deadshot, you know? This is a very uh, similar <clears throat> arc for the characters in the like in the first film. Yeah. Uh, and it, I'd say unnecessarily, but it did drive the plot, so I guess it, it was did. necessary? It did. It did. Um, Deadshot, you know, just a little bit of backstory. Deadshot is one of my favorite comic book characters. Yep. I loved him in the old 80s Suicide Squad. I loved him in Gail Simone's Secret Six. Um, you know, he's just, he's just awesome. Uh, and we'll get into more why I like him so much. Um, and I, I mentioned this to you, the Bloodsport, who I think, I don't even think I've ever read a comic with him in it. He's not exactly <laughs> a major player. Right, right. Um, but, uh, you know, he was basically just Deadshot. It's like they wrote this movie for Deadshot and then you mentioned Will Smith kind of fell through and he wasn't able to film it. Right. Um, and then they said, okay, well, we'll just take this character who's a lot like Deadshot and do all the things we were planning on doing with Deadshot with him. Yeah. So you have this guy who's a marksman who never misses, who has a, a very tense relationship with a daughter, who has uh, you know, a, a hardened exterior but has some good way down deep inside. That's Deadshot. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that is that is carbon copy Deadshot. Right. But um, so I found myself throughout the entire of the movie 
honestly getting more and more frustrated. At one point, I remember I leaned over to you and said, why didn't they just have Deadshot in this movie? Yeah. Um, because like things were happening that were so Deadshot-esque. Yeah. And, um, but, so that really held me back the first time I saw it. But the second time I saw it, right as it was starting, I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't Deadshot. It's a cheap knockoff. Um, but I'm going to like it anyway. Yeah. And uh, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm going to have to accept it, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so I accepted it and I watched the film for what it was and I didn't let that bother me. And I found that when I didn't let that discolor my experience, that I enjoyed the movie a hundred times more. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I, uh, I will definitely agree with you there um, because I felt like they deliberately put a scene at the beginning where he's there he's yelling at his daughter you know mm -hmm. like fuck you fuck you you know like mm -hmm. i hate you blah 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 they did that to like deliberately set them apart mm -hmm. from, from set him apart from deadshot from the first film yeah because they had a better relationship um which i was like i was like okay like this scene is funny because they're screaming at each other like sometimes you want to scream at your kids let's face it right um <laughs> don't do that no but. <laughs> no don't scream f you at your daughter over and over and over again no, no, it's I, bad Bad, bad, uh, bad thing to do. Yeah, I, I don't do that. I just go, listen here. You don't talk to your father that way. <laughs> and then I, and then I just like look in the mirror and go, oh, hello, father. It's me. <laughs> anyway. Whoa, we're getting this is becoming like daddy <laughs> issues central here. <laughs> ah, we've all got this em. week on Psychology Today with JJ Hodges. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I've read, I think literally <clears throat> one comic with. Bloodsport in it, yeah. um, and it was a little different in the movie from the comic. Because the in the comics, I, he can access like a pocket dimension and pull any weapon he needs out of it. Mm -hmm. So kind mm -hmm. of a cool power, and he can, and that's how he can take on Superman because he can pull out like, you know, crazy weapons that can yeah, yeah. take on Superman. Uh, and the comic I read hi, read him in was, um, uh, uh, with Jeff Johns and Kurt Busiek, um, up up and away, like right after Infinite Crisis, like okay. like fifteen some years ago mm -hmm. god we're old man <laughs> yeah, a little bit um but uh but yeah he was part of like the superman revenge squad and when they found out superman was back you know he's slightly underpowered at the time mm -hmm. um and they find out he's back and i think i think if i remember correctly it's a really good comic but like lex he's only in like one or two issues of the story they, you know, it's like him and a bunch of other people come and fight Superman and they actually have a chance against him because Superman isn't fully powered. Yet. Yeah. So anyway, it's a really good story. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that they had that in there. It's like he put Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. Mm -hmm. I think that was all we needed to establish that this is part of a larger world. We don't need to see that larger world, but here it is. And I think that I like that better than in the first film. You know, like the first film had Batman in it. And had references to the death of Superman, mm -hmm. but I like that this one didn't need to have that. It just it could yeah. be pretty much self-contained. Like there's no Joker talk, which mm -hmm. I thought was great. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's just these characters that we're following. Yeah, um, like you know, like Polka Dot Man is from like the '50s <laughs> Batman stories when they yeah, were yeah. Like, insane and weird. Um, I, I liked how too they you know in the first Suicide Squad, the older one, they like spent like the first 20 minutes of the movie describing all the backstories of these characters. Yeah, this one not only broke up the backstories, yeah. but it also didn't go as in depth with the backstories. Yeah, which I thought was a, a good move. Yeah, like we don't. We, we don't know where Weasel comes from. We don't know where Blackguard comes from. Not that we need to know because they're dead within like <laughs> 10 minutes. Of well, the Weasel's not. Well, Weasel, Weasel is cleared up for the sequel. They yes. thought he was dead. <laughs> yeah. he, he was, I guess, 
clinically brain dead on a beach for like a few days, but yeah. you know, he came back at the end. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, which I was, uh, I thought was going to happen. I thought when they went up and was like, oh, Weasel's dead. I thought he was going to wake up and bite him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they didn't do that. Um, which again, I think, I think from watching the trailers and everything, you and I could be like, Okay, I know who's going to die. Oh, yeah. I knew that Javelin wasn't going to make it. (laughs) I think if I remember correctly, I think he's like a C-list or D-list like Green Lantern villain or something. Yeah. I mean, some of those guys – and I've been reading DC Comics for probably like 35 years, you know? I mean, I missed a lot in the 90s. You know, just a quick backstory. I read in the 80s, which we're going to talk about the Suicide Squad, Ostrander Suicide Squad in a little bit, which I loved. And then I got away from comics in the 90s, which everybody tells me I didn't miss much. That is true. (laughs) And then, (laughs) you know, I've read some stories, you know, since, but uh, went back and kind of backlogged stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, But then I read in the 2000s and then, you know, of course, up until today, and I don't recall ever reading a comic with half these people. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I've heard of the Javelin and maybe he was in a Suicide Squad issue here and there, but he definitely wasn't memorable enough to remember. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, TDK. <laughs> Did they just make him up for the movie? I mean, it was awesome. I think he's, I think he's in something. He's like, technically still alive too, unless he bled out on the beach. He I, was in critical condition. Right. Uh I think because somebody called him Arm Fall Off Boy on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So it's something like that. But I thought that that characterization and just seeing Nathan Fillion just kind of like pretend to move his arms. Yes. And like, he's just like slapping the guards. <laughs> like he has no offensive output. And, I uh, I was actually thinking about how if they do wind up that he survived and mm-hmm. they do make sequels to this film, which I think they will, mm-hmm. he can be that guy that they bring on missions that doesn't do anything that almost gets killed and they just don't care about him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they just leave him behind because they don't care. Right. And then, like, the second one, like, you're still alive? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can come with us. You know, he's kind of like, like the forgettable guy. Right, right. Um, but in Mongal, you knew she was going to die. Well, it's like that's such an interesting character, too, because I was like, oh, they don't even talk about Mongol. No, not at all. And... You know, they talk about Ratcatcher's father for crying out loud, but not Mongal's Which was one of my father. favorite things about yeah. the movie. Was oh, Ratcatcher. that was really good. She was my favorite character in it, Ratcatcher. I think my favorite character was uh, was Polka Dot Man. Really? Yeah. Those are my just, two favorites. Just for sure. Know, when he drops the explosives, oh, fiddlesticks! Yeah. <laughs> I I kind of I was sort of hoping that was that was going to be his thing that, that he, he didn't swear. Yeah. Yeah. That, when he dropped an f bomb like two minutes after that, I'm like, oh, yeah. He should have been like, gosh darn and heck and so. Yeah. I thought it would have been funnier if he was the, the gosh darn guy mm-hmm. and then at the end when he goes I'm a motherfucking superhero and then yeah. he gets squashed which oh I can't believe <sighs> they killed him I, I was sort of expecting it but I was also so bummed but that actor fun fact okay I was I forgot to mention this to you the other day he plays Calendar Man in the Long Halloween movie he also uh, he was in Batman uh, the, Dark the Dark Knight, Knight. Yeah. he was one of Joker's goons yep. he's like shown up in a bunch of, of yeah. DC stuff Yeah, he was he was in a couple episodes of Gotham mm-hmm. he tried to be like the new Jerome mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. end up getting killed by Jerome spoilers for Gotham but you know if you haven't seen Gotham don't watch it eh, yeah <laughs> I mean like he, you really listen to Corey don't watch Gotham you gotta be in the right mindset which an is an idiot mindset no. <laughs> alright we're done with this alright 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 <laughs> I didn't mind it. Anyway, season two of Gotham is great. Anyway. Um, what anyway. Was I, what was I going to say? Uh, he's also in an episode of The Flash. He plays Abracadabra. That's right. He was Abracadabra. Yeah. Okay. Which uh, I, I almost forgot about, but then like people, you know, sort of like uh, after Avengers Endgame, people yeah, yeah. were making fan art of like all the Chris Evans superheroes that he could have his own Avengers team. They said this guy could have his own um, Suicide Squad <laughs> with all the villains he's <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he um, could. But... Um, what was the other one he played? Um, 
Oh, he's uh, in uh, the Ant-Man movies, too. Yes, he's, he was, yeah. He's, he's one of... Uh, you can tell... Like, some of these guys are, like, return people, you know? You can yeah. tell they're comic fans. They really like the genre. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of cool. Who's the Who's the guy? He was uh, the prison guard in Shawshank. And oh. he winds up being in almost every superhero. Yeah, uh, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. Yeah. And he was the voice of Lex Luthor. Like, yeah. he, you can tell he just loves comic book stuff because yeah. he winds up kind of weaseling his way into almost every comic book thing. I mean, say what you will. He's about, awesome, too. Say what you will about the, the movie itself, the Green Lantern movie, but he's the voice of Parallax in it. And is he, does, he really? Yeah, he does have a. And so that movie is not great, but he's great. <laughs> so. I actually like that movie more than most. Which now our listeners are going, so he hated Gotham, but he liked Green Lantern. <laughs> there's, there's always a weird disconnect, I think. Yeah, you yeah. know, Because um, I know people that hate Batman Returns, but have a soft spot for Batman and Robin. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm like really? <laughs> eh. But yeah, to each Tastes th- are relative. Exactly. Yeah, to each their own. But mm-hmm. going back to the Suicide Squad. Uh, yeah, so I, I didn't know pretty much all these characters, you mm-hmm. know, except for like Harley Quinn. I read some of the Peacemaker stuff on uh, DC Universe, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they definitely exaggerated his character in the film, uh, which I think was for the best because I think that James Gunn was able to take these characters and sort of make them his own because there's no like, you know, like with Harley Quinn, it's like, oh, well, th- that's this is Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah. You know, like this is the way to do Harley Quinn. Um, and he stuck true to her. But uh, with some of these other characters, it's like, well, nobody's going to sit there and go, well, I don't know, Peacemaker wasn't right. It's like, yeah. well, that, that, what's he been in? Like, you know, if there's like, you know, 20,000 comics, he's probably in like four of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. You know, taking the, the D-listers and taking characters that aren't that popular gave him a lot of freedom for who he was going to kill mm-hmm. and how he developed the people. Say, say what, you know, and this might be a controversial statement. But I believe that's what happened with Iron Man, mm-hmm. that Tony Stark was actually kind of boring until Robert Downey Jr. played him. And, really? And then he started becoming more interesting in the comic books. Mm. That's my personal take because I read some comics before <laughs> the Iron Man movies and yeah. I was like, well, I don't think I like this guy. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I, DC is my thing. So I've, uh, I, I couldn't comment on that character, but that's a cool take. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, it, again, the funny thing about the movie is that the – the trailers were edited really well where sure I kind of figured who was going to die and who wasn't but I also thought that like there were going to be two different missions I mean technically speaking there were but I thought that the first team was going to go in and fail and then she was going to get the other team and they were going to go in and you know quote unquote succeed and turns out that that's not what happened it's like they were they were all there at the same time yeah Amanda Waller was really dark in this film yes which she should be I mean she is you know, in the comics, she's so manipulative mm-hmm. and she just doesn't care about anything but, you know, advancing the the, the security of the nation. Yep. And when they when you had that revelation that all those guys were sent in the beach so to be to distract the army so that the other five could go in undetected. Right. I was like, whoa, that's that's a man. That's Amanda Waller. Yeah. It, I, <clears throat> I think she's such a great character. And I love that she's for the most part fairly calm and composed Mm -hmm. you know she screams a couple of times but for the most part she's just you know cold and calculating yeah and and i love that the one guy on her team uh was like you weren't really going to do that to his daughter right and she was like oh you don't know half the things i would have done yep that was a great line and that's just like a jaw-dropping moment and and it's funny because our you know uh, friend of the podcast many you know my best friend jesse he's always like I, i i fucking hate amanda waller i'm like you're That's supposed to. That's the point. Yeah, she's not exactly an endearing character. It's it's which is interesting that there's characters like that, um, that like 
somebody like Deadshot or Bloodsport, you know, or Polka Dot Man, you know, whatever, most of the Suicide Squad, you sit there and like, well, they're not that bad, are they? Yeah. But then like Amanda Waller, you're like, oh no, she's evil. <laughs> and I think that's like the the whole, I think that's one of the things that makes Suicide, Suicide Squad so great is yeah. that the, the most evil person is the government employee. Yeah. It's not the supervillains. Yeah. <laughs> it's the woman who's not wearing a costume, doesn't have a code name, yeah. who's pulling the strings behind the, the scenes. Yeah. I, I, I think that that... Uh, and and Viola Davis, who plays her, I mean, just she did a great job. Perfect cast. She was good in the first one too. Not as dark, but you know. Yeah, I think, I think you know, despite the issues with the first film, the cast was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think the same thing with this film. Like the, I'm so glad that the the same cast, most of the same cast, came back that could come back. Um, very very upset. Uh, that this was my other initial hang up with the film was that there were a couple choices on who they killed off that I didn't like. Yeah. Um, Captain Boomerang dying in the first two minutes. You know, like yeah. what the heck? That was a complete surprise. Yeah. Um, though interestingly, you know, did you notice this that the uh, the boomerang that he his corpse was holding up at the very end was glowing white. I did. Yeah, I that kind of made me think a little bit of Brightest Day. Now, yeah. that could be like way down the road. They're not even anywhere close to this. Right. But uh, wasn't he one of the guys that was resurrected during Brightest Day? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I was I was bummed when uh, good old Boomer Butt, as uh, they used to call him back in the eighties in the <laughs> comics, was yeah. was killed off. Flag being killed off made me sad. Yeah. You know, um, in the post credit scene when they're all walking toward the hospital room. You know, my mind is racing. I'm like, oh my gosh, who's still alive? Who's still alive? Is it Captain Boomerang? Is it is it uh, yeah. Colonel Flag? Like, I, I was, and then it was, turned out it was Peacemaker. I'm like, damn it, <laughs> he's <laughs> well, the one I didn't care about coming well, back. That was, but I thought that John Cena still did a great job. Oh yeah, he did, yeah, he did, he did, yeah. But I thought that if that's if, a matter of preference, the fact that I liked those guys more well, than Peacemaker, right? And um, and it was funny because I I guess that's setting up his show on HBO yeah. Max, mm-hmm. which again. Blows my mind the way these things get greenlit. I know, right? Like it's like, <laughs> you know, they they're like trying to crack a script for Batman takes like three years, right? For the Robert Pattinson Batman, and then James Gunn's like, oh, by the way, during quarantine, I wrote a Peacemaker show, greenlit. <laughs> like you know, what? It's interesting. <laughs> like this is kind of the approach that DC is taking now, in a way. Yep. They just don't care at all about continuity. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is continuity now. Yeah. And they're just, you know, they're green lighting stories that are written that are good. And they don't really care necessarily about which character it is. You know yep. what I mean? And and so on one hand, that's frustrating because you look at Marvel and you look at how they have such an amazing connected universe. Yeah. But on the other hand, as long as the story's good, I'll watch a Peacemaker show. You know? I, I, I agree because I think there's, there's pros and cons to both because – you know, I, I want like Avengers Endgame at the end of it. I was like, well, am I going to care about these stories going forward? Because two of my favorite characters are now out of it. Yeah. You know, it's like it, I, you know, I don't, why couldn't they just have, re, you know, done a, a reboot, you know, and cast someone else to play Tony Stark and, and, you know, or maybe down the line, they will do a big yeah. reboot. Well, um, you and I have talked about that, that, and I know this makes me a bad comic fan. I haven't watched any of the shows. I, I've, in, I've enjoyed them, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not like jonesing to rewatch them right yeah, now. Yeah, because I know they're good. I know they're good. I'm yeah. just kind of burned out from Marvel, and you know, the ten year saga they told was perfect. Yeah, and I think they should have ended it after Endgame, but you know, there's too much money involved. Well, sure. So. Um, you know, and I, like I said, there's pros and cons to both approaches because I, it is cool that, you know, next year we're getting a, uh, 
we're getting the Robert Pattinson Batman. Mm-hmm. We're, and then in the Flash movie, we're getting Affleck and Keaton as Batman. Yeah. Uh, sign me up. <laughs> that uh, The Flash movie, I'm really curious as to what they're going to do. Yeah. I feel like all the stuff right now that we're getting prior to the Flash movie, is a, there's a lot of like litmus tests. Yeah. You know, do people like Suicide Squad? Will people like Pattinson's Batman? Yeah. You know, and if, you know, Suicide Squad, I think, is doing well from what I've read. You know, hopefully Pattinson's Batman will do well. And Flash could, I mean, essentially it's probably going to be a Flashpoint type scenario, multiverse type scenario. Yeah. They could completely, you know, unite it. Should they? I don't know. But they could make, this would be their opportunity to make a united universe similar to what um, Marvel has done. Yeah. And and I like the idea of doing, if, if the Batman, the Robert Pattinson Batman is separate, I don't mind that because yeah. I didn't mind Joker being separate. I'm... Because a big part of me really thought that that was going to be like a prequel to like The Dark Knight or something, which I think would have been a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but having it be its own thing and maybe we'll get a sequel, maybe not. There's rumors going both ways. I mean, realistically, in the Flash film, they could pull uh, Phoenix's Joker from whatever Earth they designate he is on right. and you know put him up against Pattinson's Batman. I mean, like yeah. realistically, they could do anything they want. It's it's funny in to Flash. me. Because like on the Crisis on Infinite Earths thing that they did on the CW, they, they made a point to have Ezra Miller guest star. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so these are connected. But then like, I don't know, because it's like, but are they? Marvel kind of did the yeah. same thing with the Netflix shows. Yeah. It's sort of the, the... Yeah, they could bring in any of the CW people that they wanted. Yeah. So and I think like right now they're probably looking at what's popular, what's working, what's not. And uh, maybe that's why it took so long to get the Flash script done because they were making those tough decisions. I mean, yeah. some of it was a director turnover, but, right. you know, maybe that was part of the process. Yeah. So it's, I wouldn't mind if they brought the JSA from Stargirl over. I love that show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Flash and Arrow and Legends, you know, those shows kind of got a little bit. Well, you know, Arrow, Arrow's done now. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking like late seasons. They kind of got a little bit whatever, but yeah. they could bring the characters over because I think the casting of, you know, Oliver Queen and the people from Legends was good. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, and you know, Barry Allen in The Flash. But, I mean, Grant Gustin couldn't come over necessarily unless he became the other Flash, like a Wally West type Flash. Right, right. Who's I, also in the show? I don't know. I'm rambling. <laughs> I'm rambling. Go ahead. <laughs> Thinking um, out loud. Anyway, go. Uh, but yeah, the. But I think what. One of the things that I really loved about this movie was that, it it really, as much. So, trying to word word this in in a, cohesive way, it it felt it did feel like a movie. Like I didn't feel like like the Ang Lee Hulk movie, mm-hmm. which was weirdly put into panels, like it was supposed yeah. to look like a comic yeah. book. And I remember seeing that in the movie theater years and years ago and being like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. so weird looking. Um, but then this movie didn't do that, but it did say like, you know, it did pop up like Suicide Squad versus Starro. And, and you know, it's like, meanwhile, on the other side of the island or whatever, I was like, I kind of love that they're doing that. Yeah. It gave a comic book touch to it without going overboard, like you said. Right, right. And, and that was fun to see. But I also love that, uh, you know, because we were talking, I said, I really thought, because Taika Waititi was in the movie, but nobody knew he, who he was playing. For a while, we thought he was going to be the voice of King Shark, which would have been too much like Korg from uh, Thor. Uh, but then that turned out to be Sylvester so Stallone, of all people. <laughs> uh, he was the voice of King Shark, did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was funny. Somebody said, like, 
don't without saying Rocky or Rambo, what's your favorite Stallone movie? I'm like, I'll probably say the Suicide Squad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, don't sh- or stop where my grandma will shoot. Or whatever that movie was called. <laughs> oh my gosh. I forgot that movie existed until right now. Do, do you do you know the story behind that real quick? No. Okay. So apparently Arnold Schwarzenegger got the script and said, This is terrible, I never want to make this. And but he was in a feud with Stallone, so he was like telling his agent, like, hey, tell him I'm interested. And then so he tricks yeah. Stallone into making stop that. Stop my mom's shoot. <laughs> oh my so gosh. I, I've read about that a few times, it always makes me laugh. Oh my um, gosh, that's crazy. But, um, Real quick on King Shark. I liked King Shark. Yes. Um, I kind of wish that they wouldn't have made him so dumb. Yeah. You know, like uh, my favorite King Shark is, of course, Secret Six Gail Simone King Shark. Uh-huh. Like, King you know, Shark where, is a shark. <laughs> yeah, where he's running around the island eating people. I'm a shark. I'm a shark. I'm a mother effing shark. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like just eating people, singing yeah. that little song. Um, but, you know, it still worked. Yeah. It still worked. So. I, You know, I think because I, I think of uh, the Harley Quinn animated show. Yeah. King Shark is... <laughs> It's just so like, like he's like a gentle giant. Yeah, he's hilarious. Like yeah. when he's arguing with the one shark at, uh, <laughs> well, you can kindly go f yourself. Remember, remember <laughs> he's, that? Where he's, he's, he's like, by the way, I poop in toilets all the time. <laughs> yeah, he's freaking hilarious. Yeah. Him and Clayface make that show. Yeah, I mean they're oh so God. freaking hilarious. Alan, Alan Tudyk as uh, Clayface and the Joker. I'm an actor. <laughs> 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 One of my favorite lines of it is it's like Dr. Psycho's like, no, I don't want to run lines with you. He's like, good. I hate that. We don't run lines. We exchange truths. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's got to be starting pretty soon, season three of that. Uh, I think they're almost finished with it. Nice. Yeah. Um, nice. But... Uh, yeah, that's another one. They should bring Poison Ivy into one of the Suicide Squad movies. Really? I mean, they could bring anybody, you know? Like, apparently so. They brought Javelin into this. Javelin. <laughs> if Javelin can make it, Poison Ivy can. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, but I I think what really made this movie work was that, um, you know, like, okay, so like I was saying before, so I thought that Taika Waititi was going to play uh, King Shark. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, well, then he'll be the voice of Starro. He wasn't. He was Ratcatcher 1. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was great because I immediately expected take to play some comedic character but he actually was this really heartwarming endearing character um that had a tragic story and added to ratcatcher 2's tragic story my favorite line in the entire movie is at the very end when ratcatcher is summoning all the rats that are in these you know very poor areas to attack starro and she's having the flashback of her and her dad sitting on top of a steeple in portugal yeah. and he she asked him like why rats and he said um and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the quote, but he said something along the lines of, you know, if such an insignificant creature can have a purpose, so can all of us. Yeah. And like then they cut back to her and she's crying and she's having all the I mean, she was just such a great character. Yeah. So kind and loving and warm hearted. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, she was definitely my favorite character in the movie. Yeah. And Polka Dot Man was a close second just <laughs> because he was good. so bizarre. Um but uh I I think what, what really worked the movie wasn't afraid to be as wild and crazy as it could yep. be but strangely enough it's like they took Storo seriously but also the characters weren't like Bloodsport's looking at him like what the f- there's that giant starfish you <laughs> yep. know it's like so yep. they're not afraid to acknowledge that it's weird yeah but it's also but it is also terrifying because this giant starfish is throwing out little starfish that's taken over people's minds which by the way was I don't know if it's different from the comic books because all the comics and anime shows I've seen, when Starro, you know, puts the star on your face, 
when he's defeated, then they pop off. I guess in this case, no, like it's a part of your face and you die like, like in well, aliens. Get this. So one of my problems I had the first time I watched it was when Bloodsport was just flat out, you know, killing all the Starro people. I I'm thought like, that too. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, I'm like, those people didn't have anything. But then Thinker, the second time I watched it, I caught this. There's a lot of little lines that you, okay. you can't necessarily catch the first time you watch it that sure. explain things. They help clarify things. Uh, Thinker said, I think maybe it was Ratcatcher or something like that. We have to save these people. And he said, oh, they're, they're corpses underneath those underneath those starfish. Oh, that's right. So that's right. In, in this, they're actually dead. And Starro is just using them like puppets to attack people. So that made me a little bit happier that, you know, they they like walked off of, they got in their little helicopter and left. And there were all these people with Starro fish on their face. Yeah. They were already dead. Yeah. So. I Okay, that makes more sense. It's still... Yeah. It's like, I guess it's supposed to be. It's like, it still makes me uncomfortable. Just like the ending of Man of Steel makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But again, I think it's supposed to. It's yeah. supposed to be like, well, if this was real, this is what would be happening. Yeah. And there's um, nothing that any of them could have done because all those people were, you know, they were walking corpses. That was yeah. such a dark scene, too, when they go to Thinker's lab in the basement and he has all those people that are basically being experimented on yeah. that have starros in it. Like they pan around the room and you see people just like suffering and stuff like that. And so knowing that, realizing that they were already dead and that the one actually experiencing the pain was the starro yeah. made it a little bit better. But yeah. that was really dark. Yeah. That was like something out of like a horror movie. It, and I think that this, this movie, it's like what what genre would you put it in? It's like, geez, like it's yeah. got like seven. <laughs> What'd you think of thinker? You know, that character is sort of ruined for me because of the flash season four. Yeah. Cause I found him to be one of the most annoying villains in the world. I never got that far in the flash. I stopped after, uh, <clears throat> the savant season maybe i can't remember uh savitar or savitar sorry <laughs> i got suicide squad on the brain <laughs> <laughs> well savitar yeah th- that characterization was poor yeah and i did not like that um but then like season four it's like but he was supposed to be like the smartest man in the entire world right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's like so he's so smart that he can predict the future that he can predict what you're going to say next that's stupid yeah, it was like okay, uh, no, no, I, not really. It's, it's like, like okay, our scientists who are like really smart, they can predict weather patterns. They can predict, you know, like a pandemic, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like, so yes, there are people like that. But is anybody so smart that they know that I'm going to say I didn't like the Flash season four right now? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like it just. Mm-hmm. No, it got no. it got really irritating. He was in like every single episode. The actor was good, um, but it's just like they're just writing him in every episode. And I was just like, oh, my God, can somebody just kill this guy? <laughs> That's not what you want to be saying about your lead villain. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like I, you know, when you have these overpowered villains, it's like th- that's where these shows lost their way. Tangent on this for a second. It's like. When you have, um, like, Deathstroke versus Green Arrow, well, Deathstroke's a better fighter, so Green Arrow has to fight smarter. Yeah. When the reverse Flash is faster than the Flash, so he has to fight smarter. Yeah. When you have, like, Green Arrow going against, like, you know, magic, unless yeah. it's the Justice League doing it, it doesn't make any sense. I agree, yeah. But rant over okay <laughs> and scene <laughs> but you know overall definitely recommend the movie to anyone who's a, if you're even if you're not a comic book fan if you like like action like there's a bit of a buddy copness to it with uh Bloodsport and peacemaker that i thought mm-hmm. was great uh like when they're killing all the mercenaries that was a it's like it's sort of a dark scene because they're killing all these people but 
And then, like, you know, they go to they're trying to rescue Flag. And he's like, what are you guys doing here? It's like, yeah. hey, where are my men? And they're like, we didn't see any. Uh, <laughs> that was a great scene. They killed the, all the freedom fighters. <laughs> and then and then Polka Dot Man, I thought they were all my mother, so I killed them all. <laughs> yeah, that was disturbing. Like, how he kept seeing his mom. Yeah. Oh. Real quick, going back to Thinker. Yeah. Um, what's the name of that actor? I know he's. Uh, Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Um, he, Dr. I Dr. think Roy. he did a, a good job overall. His de- how they depicted him was kind of strange, you know, yeah. not really the cold, calculating thinker. He, but um, he also didn't seem again, and the Flash ruined it for me. So he didn't seem that smart. No, not really. Yeah. Um, but he could potentially come back in a two because he could have downloaded his consciousness into you know a computer, which is what happened in the comics. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? And yeah. then he became a security system for the JSA mansion because that's a good idea. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? So he could we could see a Peter Capaldi walking around that's all you know green and glowing and made up of zeros and ones like the thinker from <laughs> yeah, the yeah. comics, and that, that could be kind of cool. Yeah. So. Um, I'm I'm loving the movies now where they aren't afraid to embrace the comic book looks. Yes. You know, like Peacemaker looks right out of the comic books. And and Harley, for the literally the first time in three movies, is wearing the red and black. Yes. <laughs> like she wears in the freaking comic books. Um, Looked like she had a lot less tattoos. I, they took away a lot of them. Good. Uh, which Good. I was very happy with. It's like, um, I, I, I like the one on her arm that's like the, the diamond pattern. Yeah. I think yeah. that's cool. Uh, like the heart on her face. It's like, okay. Speaking of which, in the um, in the scene in Belle Reve, who was the girl that had a, a diamond look, like diamonds tattooed on her face that like cat called Peacemaker? Uh, was that Jewel from Punch and Jewel? It might have been. I think it might have been. There were a couple like little, like of course Calendar Man shows up and yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, Calendar Man. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, even though he was nothing like Calendar Man, mm-hmm. still you saw the the dates around his head and, yeah. you know, so I got to, I need to go back and watch it a third time and pay closer attention to <laughs> yeah. all the little side people in the backgrounds. Because there was a, my first thought was it was a gender bent crazy quilt. <laughs> <Which it could've laughs> oh my been. gosh, it could have been. <laughs> There you go. Crazy Quilt's on the squad for the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, She's going to die. <laughs> That's she will be sacrificed. She will not. Crazy the... Quilt will not. Although Polka Dot Man almost made it. So maybe Crazy Quilt will, will surprise us. Yeah. I mean, Polka Dot Man can make it. You know? um, <laughs> oh, I'm, so, I'm still sad. He didn't. <laughs> Though he could have pocket dimensioned himself to a different place right at the last second. I, maybe he did. Polka Dot Man could live. I... What I really want more than anything is I want Polka, I want a prequel, Polka Dot Man versus Ben Affleck's Batman. <laughs> and you see Ben Affleck's Batman dress, or his mother dressed as Ben Affleck's Batman. <laughs> I would watch that all the time. <laughs> You're like, what's higher than five stars? A million stars! A million stars! stars. Um, it wins every Oscar. <laughs> like, even like... Like the best lead actress goes to Polka Dot Man. <laughs> <laughs> Polka Dot Man's mother is dressed as Batman. <laughs> um, the, the world could not handle that movie. <laughs> no, we're not ready. For we're that. not ready for that yet. Uh, we have. We can't even. You know, wear masks to not have a damn coronavirus <sighs> oh my pandemic. Gosh, we can't handle Polka Dot Man unless we had unless we had Polka Dot Man showing up on TV telling people to wear masks. Hundred percent mask wear. We need that. There it is. We need that. David okay. Dalshman or Dalmatian. Dalmatian. David Dalmatian. <laughs> However the hell you say your name. Great. I, I if he ever with... somehow listens to this, he's be like, "Oh, screw those guys." What <laughs> <laughs> am my last name? S- same with uh, the director of the Flash. I always call him Andy Spaghetti because it's like <laughs> right, well. Maschetti, I think, or. Yeah. Paschetti, <laughs> like what my daughter said when she was three. <laughs> I want Paschetti, Dad. There you go. Um, 
So uh, tell me about the the Ostrander uh, Suicide Squad because so, I, I never read it. I have a bunch of graphic novels of it. And it's funny, before I came to this podcast today, I was kind of flipping back through them and I was thinking like, okay, he, he might ask me like which, you know, Ostrander story was my favorite and all that. Yeah, yeah. And I realized something about them. The stories didn't necessarily matter. Okay. You know, like there's no super memorable story, at least in my opinion, about when they fought like a super villain or something like that. The thing that made it was it was spy espionage. Mm-hmm. Like when they were all sitting in the theater and Amanda Waller was giving them their their uh, mission in the movie. Yeah. That was very similar to what they did in Ostrander's run. And the thing that carried those books was the characterization. You okay. know, you really came to love the characters. To this day, Nightshade and Enchantress and Deadshot and Captain Boomerang. Enchantress. Enchantress. <laughs> oh, she was done so poorly in that. I agree. Um, <laughs> you know, they're still some of my favorite characters in in comic books. Like if I see one of them um, in a in a book, I'll usually at least check it out or or whatever. Yeah. But um, so I definitely want to give a plug um, for those old. 80s suicide squads it was spy espionage it was great characterization it was cool action sequences um again it's not like off the cuff like crazy superhero antics you Mm -hmm. know it's just cool so i would definitely and and it was kind of cool when we were watching the uh the credits uh he was listed as a consultant or something like that for the film so they definitely talked to him he uh I think he no he plays the the doctor that puts the bomb in the That's him. Head. Get yeah. out. Yeah. Uh That's awesome. I I, I think I he's like, like that. Yeah. He's got poor health or something. I think I heard once that he's blind now or something like that. So maybe oh, he's sure. maybe I mean he was only in there for like 2 seconds or whatever but right. uh yeah, like Gail Simone helped him to write something or to draw something or something. I don't know. I'm I'm probably butchering that but uh yeah, he he was awesome. Mm-hmm. The stuff he gave was was awesome. You know, I I've read a lot of great things, and uh, on the second season of Arrow, there's a Suicide Squad episode, mm-hmm. um, and they even make a point. Amanda Waller says, you know, well, we've all we've all had our nights at the Ostrander Motel or whatever, mm-hmm. and I you know I love those little oh nods yeah for to sure the comics or into the creators, um, you know, and 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 I like <clears> that we've gotten little bits of them. Here and there, like they were in uh, an episode of Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Rosenbaum actually played uh, uh, Deadshot. Really? Yeah, but I, I guess uh, what I read was that he based the voice on Kevin Spacey. So if you rewatch those episodes, it does. It is Rosenbaum doing a Kevin Spacey voice. Get out of here! Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and he and he plays, and that's a more straight Deadshot's the villain. There's not much layer to him there, which is fine, you know, for that show because it wasn't about like humanizing the suicide squad. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I like that we've gotten little bits of them here and there. Uh, are, are you reading the new suicide squad comics? I am not. I, I've picked up a few suicide squads since new 52 and been kind of consistently disappointed by them. And yeah. so therefore kind of moved away. But I know you were telling me the other day that the, the Tom Taylor run was good. So I'm going to need to check that out. Yes. Is he the, he's not the current guy, is he? No, uh, he did it right before death metal, like rewrote the universe or whatever the hell that comic did. Yeah. Um, I mean, no offense to Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, nice guys, great, a great collaborative team. They just went. Yeah. Full death Morrison. metal was a little bit <laughs> off. Uh, it was a little bit out of control, but anyway, um, but yeah, so it was like, so it was right before that, um, it was Deadshot and Harley and King Shark and 
couple other characters, but then he like created a bunch of new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and killed them? Did they all die? Uh, not all of them. Oh, okay, good. A lot of them are still around. Um, and really interesting characters like uh, <clears throat> uh, the Aerie and Wink, who are uh, LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, Aerie is, uh, I guess, non-binary. The pronouns are they. Uh, and and Tom Taylor is really good about that. You know, making you know, creating new characters that are representative of of mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is not only are they from like South America, mm-hmm. uh, but they're you know, they're also gay. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting like representation of of new characters that mm-hmm. uh he's like I'm repeating myself like he's very good at and I think yeah. you know, we talked about that before that that kind of stuff create these new characters and it makes and it brings people in like oh mm-hmm. like this is a character that's like me you know mm-hmm. um which is really really important there's always that weird tension in comics between you know you want to have the fan <laughs> favorites but you also want to bring new people in you know and sometimes the new people work and sometimes they don't and yeah. I think the only way you I think the only way you develop those new characters is by trying. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that like compare Simon Baz to Jessica Cruz. Simon <laughs> Baz is awful, but Jessica Cruz was awesome. Yeah. So, you know, you just kind of keep bringing in the characters. I, I prefer that. You know, if if representation is the goal, I would prefer new characters be brought in and established than changing characters that have been around for forty years. Yeah. You know, that's just my personal opinion. Um, I I think it's it's great to you know, to see these new characters. And, and it's funny because I remember reading it and liking it and I reread it on a DC universe, uh, plug. Um, I don't get any money for that. Sorry. <laughs> Which would be, you great. should, I should, <laughs> Jesus, at least like a free year membership. Or something. <laughs> but, um, I, it's, I, and I love like going through it and being like, Oh yeah. Like I remember this. And, uh, cause you know, we're so it's an embarrassment of riches with content these days mm-hmm. um, to the point where sometimes it's kind of annoying where it's like, man, I haven't rewatched Arrow season two in a while. It's like, oh, that's because there's been The Flash and Legends and Superman and Lois and Batwoman and this and this and this and this. Mm-hmm, and it's like mm-hmm. it's like, OK, like I, I think I need a break from all this. Like yeah. when Future State started, I just I didn't buy any of those. I you didn't like, miss anything. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait for trades or whatever. Yeah, I went whole. I was in the mood for a new event, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get like eight or ten of the Future State books, and mm. none of them are memorable. Oh, really? I was very disappointed with Future there State. Were, wasn't there a Suicide Squad one? I believe so. I don't even think I read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, I I agree that the new Fifty Two Suicide <clears throat> Squad <clears throat> stuff was not great. Yeah. Um, I. I was super turned off by Harley right away. Um, right away. The over-sexualization of a lot of the female characters in the New 52 yeah. and the reducing of them to objects really bothered me, it, especially it, Starfire. Yes, yeah. yes. I I did not like that. Um, and Starfire has always been somewhat risque, but not... But there was always an innocence and like yes. an actual like an actual personality there. Yes. She was basically just yes. a sex doll in in those books, and it was terrible. And I, I didn't care for that, and I, I didn't like the way they were doing Harley because to me, Harley, which is funny to say about like a villainous character, you know, at least she was for the longest time, there there was an innocence to her yeah. that I didn't, I, I saw being tainted because it was like Harley always just seemed like, even though she's the bad guy, she was still the victim of the Joker's crazy um and manipulation yeah but and as the stories have gone on like there's you know the way she's being written now is like you know with uh amanda connor and jimmy palmiotti and and then uh, sam humphreys did a run with her mm-hmm. uh during uh rebirth 
uh, it's like, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. So it's like, she can, if she wants to dress sexy, that's okay because she feels powerful the way she dresses. That I don't mind if they can justify it in a way that I have, you know, female friends that can dress that way and they don't, and I don't want to speak for them, but, you know, to me, it's like, you know, the way like the mother of my child is put, it's like, oh, they know their power. Mm -hmm. They know who they are. Yeah. I can appreciate that. Um, and then, but I also like that Harley's been given her own agency. She's been taken out of the Joker's shadow. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. In fact, in the Batman run, the current Batman run, Harley has been great. Yeah. 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 Like how she's working with him and stuff like that. Yeah. And when she went up against Punchline, yeah. you know, and, and Punchline's talking all this garbage and Harley's like, oh, honey, <laughs> you, you <laughs> have no idea what I've been through. Right. You know what I mean? I, so my, uh, my, one of my favorite Harley things <clears> ever <throat> is uh, from Injustice <laughs> when, uh, Green Arrow kidnaps her because they think that Superman's going to kill her. Yep. And she's like, why do you call it the Arrow Cave? Why don't you call it the Quiver? And he's like, well, that... That's is, actually not bad. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw a preview for the animated Injustice movie, and that line's going to be in the movie. Nice. And I was so happy. <laughs> yeah. She was awesome in Injustice. Yeah. 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 I, I think uh, she had a great characterization there, and she's in... Tom Taylor's Suicide Squad. I think Tom Taylor is one of the best Harley writers. I uh, my favorite Harley moment from the movie, the Suicide Squad movie, was when they were like trying to intimidate Thinker on the roof, mm -hmm. you know, and like Bloodsport's like you ditch us, you die, and Flag's like you uh, you d uh, don't follow orders, you die, and then Harley's like trying to intimidate him too, but like at one point they just cut to her, and she goes, "I am walking back and forth," and she's like, <laughs> just staring at him, walking like back and forth with her arms folded. You yeah. know, what I, mean? I, I thought that was just awesome. Awesome. I mean, Harley <clears throat> is great that she's she's a little bit of, in the comics, at least she's a little bit of like Mar or DC's version of Deadpool mm -hmm. that she can kind of break the fourth wall. Like she does in Tom Taylor's run where uh, like the new characters, uh, they're called the revolutionaries. Uh -huh. They're like they're breaking into th this uh, Presidente's uh, palace or whatever. And they're like. You stay out here. It's like, to us, you represent the establishment. And she looks right at the camera and is like, I'm part of the establishment? <laughs> that's awesome. And then, like, they're all gone. She's like, what? They batman They batman <laughs> They batman <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so I, I'm glad she didn't die because there were – they tried to steer, steer us wrong, I think, with the marketing. And James Gunn was like, DC said I could kill anybody, even Harley. I'm like – you're not gonna kill. You're not her. gonna kill. That's that's like, smoke and mirrors. Nobody, nobody kills. What do you think about the scene when she broke out of the prison and killed like fifty people on the way out? What do you think of that scene? Um, <clears throat> I thought, I, I really liked that scene. I thought, you know, it it showed just how powerful this character is. And then, you know, when like the flowers were blooming around her, yeah, it kind of showed her craziness. She she saw the javelin and it looked like a video game thing. Yeah, you know? like, um, I I liked that we we got to see more of this character um, do badass stuff. Because yeah. I felt like in the first film, she did some badass stuff, but she felt just like a sex doll for the Joker. Yeah. And, and that didn't that didn't quite sit right with me. Um, and then in Birds of Prey, she does some cool stuff. Um, but this movie, I think, just elevated her character. You know, it's funny. I've always had a hard time with Harley killing people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's always just bothered me. Like some of the some of the awful things that she did when she was with the Joker, and yeah. and you know it's interesting when you watch things. Sometimes you see like he's the one really doing all the murdering. She's just kind of along with the ride. Right. But I think one thing they do when they when they do movies or books like this 
is that when the villains become the heroes, the villains of the villains, the bad guys are like the lowest scum of the earth. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they're they're always like human traffickers or drug runners or in this case, like this this coup that was oppressing this island, you know, this this group that took over um, and were experimenting on people and the Star Initiative and stuff like that. So yeah. the first time I watched it, it bothered me that Harley killed 50 people on her way out. But then on the second the second time I watched it didn't bother me as much because again these people were like the scum of the earth. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's uh that's a common thread among books like Secret Six, Suicide Squad, Thunderbolts, is that the people that these villains are going up against, yeah, they're they're their villains are anti heroes and yeah, they're killing people, but the people they're killing are just so awful. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, so And I think uh <laughs> it's it's so weird, you know, like uh I mean, watching movies like is such a weird escape, you mm-hmm. know, or reading comics is such a weird yeah. escape because I think you and I in real life, we could have a serious debate about the merits of the death penalty yeah. and, and you know, like is killing in self-defense and blah, 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 blah. But when we're watching movies, it's like, oh, just fucking kill the guy. <laughs> yeah. I hate that guy. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it's so it's a weird like escape. And it's like, but like if we were in a situation like that, it's like, man, like. You know, it's like I said, it's like afterwards, I'm like, man, like all those people died. Yeah. You know, there was like, a lot of death in that movie. Well, Holy a, cow. Well, it, it bothers me when there's like innocent death, you know, like all the people, quarter Maltese that Starro kills mm-hmm. like that. That really bothers me. Same with like Man of Steel. It bothers me. But again, I think it's supposed to so that uh, I, I think they're crafting that very specifically. Yeah. So that we so that we as the audience go, oh, Starro's got to go. You know, well, you know, it's interesting. I noticed this the second time I watched it as well. The movie definitely kind of goes back and forth with, are you going to like these characters or are you going to hate them? Yeah. Like the first time I watched it, um, I hated the people that worked in Waller's office because they were gambling on who's going to live or die. Like, And I think that was the intention. You wanted to hate them. But then later on in the movie, they stop Waller from doing something horrendous. You know what I mean? Um, In the beginning, Waller is not depicted as like this super evil person. She's leading them and stuff like that. But then you find out that team one was basically sent as a distraction and she knew they were not going to live. So then you're like, wow, this person's terrible. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think there was a central theme of what makes a villain a villain. You know what I mean? You know, how first impressions might not necessarily be true. Exterior might not necessarily be true. I think that was a cool element you know to to the film that i noticed i noticed a little bit the first time and i noticed even more the second time if you haven't gotten my point i'm I'm, the point i'm trying to make here is you need to watch the movie twice (laughs) (laughs) you know it's there's a lot to take in there there really is there's there's a ton of characters there's a lot of there's a a lot of really great development for these characters too and i think um i think the shocking moments because there were a few moments where you're like whoa you know what i mean i think those kind of overshadow the depth of the movie to a little bit and you wind up missing some things because the shock moments hit you yeah so again watch it a second time yeah uh Uh, it's great i feel like the the first film did not do that like it just it uh and apparently the quote-unquote release the air cut movement which i don't think is going to happen unfortunately Um, he's burned some bridges i think he's done i you know i mean Zack snyder Burned them all pretty That's much. That's true. Yeah, and he, he was, got his. While he was making the Zack Snyder's Justice yeah, League. Yeah. And, and, you know, the whole Restore the Snyderverse thing. I have some friends that are that hashtag that sometimes. I never will. I've said this before. I just – I don't support the way people are going about it. They review bomb HBO Max movies and – a lot of these people are just it, – it's like it's a smaller version of like the MAGA people. Yeah. And it just – it blows my mind the way these people are just – crazy about like guys like look like it's a movie mm-hmm. like just relax it's supposed to be entertainment you know this mm-hmm. isn't 
life-changing stuff, you Mm -hmm. know? If it is for the better, then okay, good. But do that on your own with the people around you. That's one of the things I think that social media has really brought to light is that you can have a smaller group of people who through the use of social media can lead to misinformation, who can try to manipulate people. And that is on all sides of the political spectrum, conservative, yeah. liberal, um, you know, it's it's everywhere. When, when I see... Someone attacking. There are some people as intense and awful as Trump supporters on the other side as well. Oh, I I, I, I see it, so. and it and it bothers me. Yeah. That bothers me just as much because mm-hmm. it's like you're you're ruining. You're like you're you're bringing us all down with you, yeah. whether you realize it or not. And that's part of kind of what the Suicide Squad is a little bit. You know, um, like they they kind of paint the the U.S. government in a really nasty light, mm-hmm. which isn't uncommon in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. let's face it, a lot of movies. You know, it's the U.S. government is a really easy target. Oh yeah, Big Brother. You know, yeah, it's yeah. corrupt and stuff like that right. for sure. And you know, same way that like you know, my friend Zachy and I were talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's like it's like oh, we need a we need a bad guy. Nazis, they're the bad guys. Oh, yeah, and Nazis. So you can never go wrong with Nazis yeah. being the villains. So it's like it's it's really easy to paint them. The U.S. government and Nazis. Oh my gosh, I feel so weird saying it that way. But as, but as like it, as like unfavorable lights. Um, but like you know, the United States has some problems, but not 1940s Germany problems. That's, that's so true. we're okay. At least right now. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, we're not gonna get into all that. I'm kidding. Well, I'm not kidding, but we're. I'm gonna not gonna. You may want to edit that last part out, and you. Yeah. I'm going to edit this entire thing out. <laughs> we'll just hit delete as soon as you hit stop. And there it goes. <laughs> I'm glad we talked today. Uh, yeah. But... Hi, I'm JJ. Okay, thanks for listening. That's all that's left of it. <laughs> what? It's like, what the fuck? All right. Um, but anyway, but I think that, you know, the. but getting back to the movie, you know, the, the deeper themes of people surprising you, of people not, mm-hmm. not being, you know, just because you're quote-unquote, labeled the bad guy doesn't mean you have to be the bad guy, you know? And I think that's kind of what they were trying to say in the first film yeah. to varying degrees of success. And again, like I was trying to say, maybe the air cut plays it in a better light. Yeah. That just, that movie turned into a, a Frankenstein mess. One uh, one of my favorite parts of the new Suicide Squad <clears throat> is when uh, Bloodsport is telling Harley and King Shark and Polka Dot Man, like, hey, we did our job. We did what we came to do. Let's get on the helicopter and leave. Yeah. And he's walking away and then he just goes, <sighs> he like turns around and he yeah. kind of goes back. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I loved that part because yeah. again, it should have been dead shot. Okay. I got to get over that. I got to get over that. <laughs> got to get over that. But anyway, you know, just that like he knew what the right thing to do was, yeah. you know? And again, I think that's a definite central theme of that movie yeah. is, you know, the kind of the inner struggle of good and evil um, doing the right thing when, um, the situation comes, you know, when things resolve, you know, and you saw Waller's office do that. You saw, yeah. I mean, Ratcatcher was just such a perfect, you know, like she was just the heart of the team and her reaching out to King Shark and her rooting for Polka Dot Man, you know, yeah. she was definitely my favorite character, yeah, yeah. you know, and then here she was this bad guy in the worst prison on earth, you know, so it's like, yeah, it really, it really challenged you to think about how there is good within even the most hardened person. And some of the groups that you think are the ones that are trying to do the right thing actually may have terrible arterial motives or methods to get their, right. to get their, uh, their tasks done. Yeah. 
And that was sort of the point of Peacemaker and maybe will be a bigger point in his show. Though interestingly, when Peacemaker was, did you notice how apologetic he was to Rick Flagg when he turned on him? Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Like he wasn't just like, I'm evil now. He kept calling him sir and like, don't make me do this. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. It's a much more complex character. And and John Cena as an actor has come a long way. Same like with The Rock. Like I think they're way better actors now than if you saw any of their stuff at the start of their career. So uh, so props to them for actually. Him dancing in that nightclub was pretty (laughs) hilarious uh batista's the same way actually you know with uh drax he was Um, did you know that he was in the entire movie he was the he was the hidden um person that james gunn was in there from guardians of the galaxy yeah yeah you just couldn't see him (laughs) no i'm just kidding did you you see who it was Uh, the the girl who played mantis Uh was one of the dancers at the nightclub oh really yeah that was because gunn was he was talking about how um there was this there was this hidden cameo from guardians of the galaxies okay and he's like yeah he's like 100 people review this film and nobody caught it oh and so i read the spoiler online uh-huh. and when i watched it they show this dancer she was wearing red they show her for like a good five seconds and it's very clearly the, the girl who played mantis oh and i'm like how did i miss that the first time you know what i mean i'm sure everybody else who read the spoiler thought the exact same thing like wow i can't believe i missed this yeah so, uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, that's interesting. I didn't, I, I totally missed that. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going, everybody again. did. I'm going again today. So you're going to see it again today. Yeah. Well, there you go. The girl in the, in the club that they go to that's uh, on the stage dancing in the middle is Mantis. Is it, uh, it's not his mom, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> though that scene where he's out there with all the girls around him and then he starts picturing them all as his mother. And yeah. like he, she's one of them starts grinding on him. I'm like, Oh, I feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was great. Um, well, Corey, this has been a total blast. Man. Yeah, man. Uh, I miss these. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you're always welcome on the show. Um, I say that to everybody. So I had to say it to you. No, yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, we'll, uh, you know, it's tougher for me when the school year starts. Plus last year and also this year, I'm still working on my uh, degree to become a principal to get my certification. So yeah. it my time is very crunched. And last year with COVID and being a teacher was just really tough. So I, I I'm hoping this year will be more normal and I'll be able to come on on a more regular basis again. In, in all seriousness, I mean, props to you and, and teachers you. around around the country. It was I mean, tough. I, I can't even imagine. You yeah, know. it was really tough. It, it was the hardest year since my first year teaching. Yeah. You know, in the same year, I had to learn how to do, um, you know, teaching simultaneously people in the room and people at home. I uh, had to go almost completely paperless with all my uh, documents and, and, and stuff like that all posted online and collecting it all paperless so I could get it from both the people in school and those who were online and just – um, dealing with all the safety protocols, which all were great and worked, but yeah. it was hard to get a bunch of 13-year-olds to constantly have masks on and constantly stay distanced, sure, it's especially in the later months, you know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. they're just done. And, you know, uh, I really am hoping and praying that this year is more normal because I think it's going to be well, um, as long as we're safe and, and smart about it. And when I say we, I mean our society. Yeah. You know, if, if you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, please get the vaccine. Please get the vaccine. It's, you know... It, and you know we're not going to we're not getting political about this. No, it's, it's no. are there risks to it? Absolutely, there's risks to any vaccine. There's risks yep. to any medication. Yeah, but like this, everybody's life is at stake. Okay, yep. like yep. that's that's the bottom line here because COVID is no joke. No, like very few people go through it and don't have long lasting repercussions from it. There were students at my school whose parents got it who had major side effects. One was hospitalized, almost died. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's 
it's legit. And yeah, it may be different symptoms for different people. And some people, it's like the equivalent of a cold. But don't, I mean, think about other people. Be safe for them because you don't know how they're going to react to it. Exactly. So. So, um, Otherwise, you know, we're all just, we're going to have to put bombs in your heads. If you don't get the vaccine, <laughs> that's, that's what we're doing. <laughs> but but seriously, we hope you all are safe and healthy. You know, get the vaccine. Uh, be kind out there because you never yeah. know. Amanda Waller might be watching. Mm. Oh, she might be listening to this podcast right now. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. JJ's head just burst. All right. So thanks for listening to our podcast. I guess I'll close up for him since JJ is now dead. Uh, this is Corey Ferraro and the corpse of JJ Hodges signing off. Thanks for listening. <laughs>